This episode of the Fast Brackets podcast is presented by DragRaceLawyer.com. DragRaceLawyer.com, legal help on and off the track. Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com is a longtime drag racer with over 25 years of experience in small business to large corporate legal work. For all your high-powered legal needs, get DragRaceLawyer.com. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Today is episode number four. This is the second week of May. Hey, um, turn it up, clean the shop, uh, get in the car, do the commute mow the yard, whatever it is that you do while you're listening to podcasts. Um, but we have an absolutely huge show today. Um, we're going to get you up to date with some of the results and standings from around the series, the NHRA, the PDRA, the Midwest Pro Mod series. Um, we have the most recent top dragster winner from the Midwest Pro Mod series, Steve McDermott on. And then we've also got Craig Sullivan on later um, who will talk about both his top dragster and his um, pro mod car and the series that he has going there with that which is just a lot of fun but uh, before we get to today's show get at me Uh, give me suggestions curse words comments whatever it is at fast brackets on twitter the fast brackets podcast page on facebook or you can email me uh, fast brackets at outlook.com Today is episode four. Here we go. Okay, let's make a pass. Um, let's put it in the water box. Let's get get them hot. Let's talk about a hot topic. And that hot topic today is Mother's Day. We just came off Mother's Day weekend. I hope you um, were able to spend some time with your mother if, uh, if you were able. But but I think it's it's interesting thing that happens in motorsports, and not every sport does this, but motorsports, for the most part, do a pretty good job of not scheduling of an event on Mother's Day. Um, other sports do. You know, baseball teams will use a pink bat or whatever it might be, and that's fine. But for the most part, um, not to be sexist, but uh, most mothers do not want to go to a baseball game um, on Mother's Day. Um, and so – Motorsports, I think, gets it right and says, hey, let's uh, let's give everybody some time to spend with their mother. And I hope you were able to do that with yours. Um, and dads certainly get all the hype in our sport, and rightfully so. Um, but the mothers put up with us. I mean, let's, let's be honest. They put up with us. And um, my mom has always told me, she, she said, a long time ago, she said, I don't know if it was better, if it'd be better for you to have a drug addiction or the racing addiction. And I've, I have said for years, I've said, of course it would be better if I had a drug addiction there. There's a 12 step program for drug addicts. There is nothing for drag addicts. It just is um, poverty. 
for the most part. So, you know, like I would say, of course, mom, you should have uh, let me get a drug addiction. That would be, and I'm, of course, I'm joking for, for any of you, those of you who have dealt with that, but, uh, but we, my mother has uh, put up with it quite a bit. And I know a lot of you guys um, and girls, your mothers did as well, because I see them out there every weekend supporting, uh, supporting you um, in a lot of different ways. But uh, I'd like to hear from you. Um, the moms that come to the track, how did they support you? What has been uh, something that has uh, really inspired you about your mother or something that she's done that's just been incredibly unselfish to help you with your racing program? Let me know. Twitter, Facebook, uh, email. I'd love to hear it, and um, they certainly deserve it. All right, let's put it in the beams. Um, get us get this thing going. Um, he is your 2014 Texas Motorplex Super Pro Champion. He's also your 2014 Texas Motorplex Quick Dragster Champion. He's also your most recent top dragster winner. In Tulsa for the Midwest Pro Mod Series, welcome to the show, Steve McDermott Sr. Steve, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Rick? No complaints, baby. No complaints. Hey, um, you just came off a huge win at Tulsa, but, um, you know, that doesn't – you don't get there overnight. So take us back. Take all the listeners back. Um, tell us about where you grew up and how you got into drag racing. Well, it's a kind of a long story. I'm 60 years old, but back in uh, about 1967, 68, I lived in Southern California. I was about five miles from about from Irwindale Raceway. I used to hear the drags at, at night, you know, from my house. And my dad finally took me to the races. And the very first race was a funny car race, uh, Gas Ronda won. And I just remember him winning and lots of fires and funny car fires and from that day forward i've been absolutely hooked on drag racing i was hooked so bad as a little kid my dad would use it as a deterrent for getting bad grades like most dads would take your bicycle away or put you on restriction my dad wouldn't take me to the drag races until my grades got better i love it i love that <laughs> so i've been i mean i i got the bug real early in life and uh obviously living in southern california went to all the went to Irwindo, orange county pomona and uh, when I got into high school, I got myself a 68, 67 Camaro with a 327 four-speed. Guess where the first place I took it? <laughs> Irwindale Race, well, Wednesday night. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, that, that's, and, uh, that's great now. Um, and then, But you don't live in California now. No, right? I'm actually living in, in Crowley, Texas now. And uh, moved out here in 1995. Uh, back in the early 90s, I was running in running actually racing super gas in Southern California division seven at 27 roaster. And, uh, the company I worked for moved me to Texas in 1995, been here ever since. Very good. Um, and now I know that your dragster today is, um, that iconic orange. You also had a Camaro that was the similar orange. Have all of your cars been that iconic orange? No, just the Camaro. The Camaro was a start, and then the Dragster. But before that, both my cars, my 27 Roser and another 68 Camaro I had back in the uh, uh, mid-'80s were actually chrome yellow. So I went from two co solid-colored chrome yellow cars to two orange cars. But I've always had a bright-colored car. 
I just I just like the look of them. I mean, you can look out in the pits and you'll always see that orange dragster. You'll see that orange roadster. You know, you you won't, you'll see it stand out between a, a blue and I say a black dragster. You know, they kind of blend in. My car stands out. It's very very photogenic, and that's why I just love that bright color. It sure does. It sure does. Um, well, now you've got your top dragster. Um, why don't you walk us through that a little bit? Start with the chassis, um, and then we'll get to the motoring. But tell us a little about your car. Well, it's a 2011 uh, Undercover. Uh, it was built for top dragster. I purchased it actually in 2000, late 2013 as a brand-new car, and the guy I bought it from uh, bought it uh, to run top dragster, never put it together. So when I got the car, it was absolutely brand-new, no paint, no wires, no nothing. And me and my son, Steve, Steve Jr., we assembled the car. We had planned on going top dragster racing at that time. And back then, it only took like a 650, 650 to get in the middle of the field. And it just didn't work out. To, we're going to build a blower motor. It didn't work out uh, for some personal reasons. So we actually took the motor out of the Camaro, the 565 alkyl-injected motor, put it in a dragster, and we went bracket racing, just went ahead and went bracket racing. And our first full season in the dragster, I've never driven one in my life, I won the the, 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 the Super Pro and Quick Open Wheel Championship at the Texas Motorplex. I just I couldn't do no wrong. I just my wind light just kept on coming on. It, well, it <laughs> sounds then, like it. At the end of the season, I go, I should have got a dragster a long time ago. This is easy. <laughs> but then uh, in 2015, I got a reality check on that, and uh, we went the whole season before we finally got another win in, in the car. Uh, and then after that, we just continued the bracket race and started the the, the, the bracket scene in, in Dallas-Fort Worth area is just, just kind of going away. We had multiple tracks, and now we're down to just a couple tracks. And so, you know, we're going to these big money races, and I just got to the point where I felt like I was donating because they're all really top-heavy. And if you don't go a bunch of rounds, you know, it's you're just, you're, you're just participating. You know, that's just my opinion of it. And uh, uh, at the end of 2017, after I went seven rounds and got a check for $125, I said, we're done. <laughs> I'm not going to keep doing this. We're either going to sell everything and maybe do, do an index car, or we're going to go top dragster. Obviously, we made the decision. I think it's the best decision ever made to go top dragster racing. And uh, we uh, started building a brand-new motor and brand-new trans and spent most of 2018 putting it together, at least the first six months putting the, putting it together, just blower motor, and went top dragster racing, and went, went all in, basically. It suits you, um, for sure. Um, at least uh, the early success would say so. Um, it re-motivated re me. That, let me put it that way. It re really motivated me for rate for drag racing again. It got me excited. I'm yeah. excited to no, that's awesome. But you're not running that um, alcohol injected 565 anymore. Uh, I, I built a uh, uh, completely myself. I built my own motors and transmit. I built a, it's got aluminum, the 540 Chevy, aluminum Brodex, uh, uh, aluminum rods, clay's crank, uh, got profiler CNC heads on all titanium valves, got a, a blower shop XR1 1471 blower. Got a, a, a tall top fuel style uh, carbon fiber J JBR hat sitting on top. So I went in. I went in. I went in with the mindset. I'm going to qualify in the top half of the field. I'm not going to build a car to be a bottom dweller or risk not qualifying because Division Four is extremely fast, as is you know Division Three where you guys are at. It's extremely fast, and so I went with that mindset. I'm going to be a top 16 car, and so far we've been there. 
We, well, you did it. I mean, you're uh, didn't you qualify number one at uh, in Tulsa? In Tulsa, I qualified number one at that race. Our very first last year, our very first divisional race. I mean, our first, very first, uh, yeah, very first divisional race. I qualified number fourteen with a six fifteen at two twenty eight. And uh, we still had some learning curves. We went out first round. My first div- national event at NS, the Dallas Nationals, I qualified number three with a 605, 227. And I was ecstatic about that because I was only 16 thousandths off the number one qualifier. And uh, the car laid over in the top end because the fuel system's still not right. And I, if I would have made it to the end, I would have been number one at my first national event since 1995 Winter Nationals in California. Wow. <laughs> so we were just ecstatic. And uh, and uh, we finished out the year, one more race, and then and then in off season we tore the car down, the motor down, checked everything out. We made a couple changes to the heads, and we made a couple changes. We put a different intake manifold on it, put a, a MERS setback manifold on it, and uh, went out our first test and tune race at XRP, eighth mile track. It went 390 off the trailer because I'd ever gone an eighth mile off the trailer. Went 390, 390 with a four or something like that. Again, the second pass, we were set. I said, this thing's, you know, crazy fast. <laughs> so we were ready to go. We went to Houston this year, and uh, the air was just absolute mine shaft conditions. And I'm still learning how to tune this thing, believe me. You know, we're learning on this thing. And uh, the fuel system wasn't quite right. I, ended up, I couldn't slow the car down enough. And... I spot dropped just past a thousand feet on every pass. Never made a full run the whole weekend. I qualified number four with a six ten with a seven. <laughs> dropping spot dropping feet. <laughs> wow! And it was a tough race because there was twenty cars between six ten and six thirteen nine at that Houston event. That shows how tough this top dragster race racing is in Division Four. I love it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, you keep saying we. Uh, talk a little bit about the crew chief. Yeah, my crew chief is my son, Steve, Steve McDermott, Jr. This guy is the hardest-working guy in the pits. He does. He's a computer science engineer graduate. He does all the electrical, all the computer, all the, all the data, uh, all the photography, all the videos. He does it all. He's the hardest working guy out there. I don't even know how to log into the MSD grid, honestly, or the data logger. <laughs> if he didn't come to the track, I'm not even going to start the car. And he is my, he's, he, it's, he, we're a team. And uh, I do a lot, most of the mechanical, I build the engines and whatnot. He does all that stuff. And, and we're just an absolute team. I could not do it with, without him. He actually tunes the car. I'll read the plugs and I'll say, well, I want to do this or try this. And we'll look at the data and make a decision. He puts it in the car. I don't even know how to log into the dang thing. And uh, so we, 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 the car is just, right now, is just running phenomenal. I just, I'm ecstatic on how well the car is running. We've been, we haven't even doing this a year, and we already got a win. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I'm guessing then he um, he probably drives the toter home or the semi or wherever <laughs> you guys go? Uh, no, he doesn't. We don't have a toter. We don't have a motor home. We don't have a stacker. We have a, a Chevy Duramax pickup truck and a 32-foot tag trailer, and we stay generally at the Connell Lodge on the nights of racing because everything I've got is into the race car. I do this on my own nickel. I have a regular 8-to-5 job, and uh, so does he. And uh, so I took my money, and I put it into, I put it into that race car. I got top-of-the-line equipment in that car. And uh, I just, the way I looked at it, I'd love to have a motorhome or tow, I just, but if I had it, I couldn't afford to race. And the way I look at it, uh, 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 half a million dollar toter home 
it, it never turned on a wind light on the drag strip. The car does, and the driver does. So that's where we stand. We're we're a little guy in a little pickup truck and tag trailer parked amongst all the big, huge toter homes and motorhomes in the top dragster pits at all the races. So hey. That's cool. I'm good with it. I'm I'm absolutely good with it. Yeah, and why the Econo Lodge? Tell the listeners why you stay at the Econo Lodge. Because I, one, I take my dog with me everywhere I go, and they accept the dogs. And I, because I travel a lot for my my job, so I get all these hotel points, and they're cheap, and they take the dogs. So I just go to the Econo Lodge, and. It's, you know, just because mainly because they take my dog with me. And my dog goes, just like Steve goes, with my dog's part of the picture. If you look at that Winter Circle picture, there's my dog Bowser sitting in that picture. That's where I was getting to. He's even in the Winter Circle pick with you, which absolutely, was ing- absolutely right. Yeah, that's he's fantastic. A, he's a pup. He loves the heck out of the track, and 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 uh, he just, he goes where we go. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so tell us a little bit about the Tulsa event. Now walk us through that. When when did you roll in and? And how does that weekend look for you? Well, we rolled in on uh, Friday afternoon, about one o'clock in the afternoon, because uh, we have jobs. So we, we, we traveled. We drive. I drove from you know Fort Worth area. It's about a five-hour drive. And uh, off the trailer, we put the tune-up in it that we had in at the Motorplex uh, uh, Midwest race. Just put that same tune-up in it. And uh, the air was cold. It was damp. You know, I was really kind of wondering, you know, what it's going to be like. But then I seen the pro mods are going high 60s low 70s they're getting down a track so we went down and we went we went 86 with a 386 with a nine right off the trailer which is our fastest ever at the time and uh so we right off the back we're number one but there's some hitters behind me like bob henry jimmy sackovich danny Nelly. all those guys can go faster than me if they want to turn the wick up on their car and they were just they had their car dialed back to in a in a, in a 390 range so come the second round of qualifying friday night it was delayed because of crash and pro mod and oil downs, all the you know usual type of stuff. And it's like 11:30 at night, and it's cold. I mean, it's like 53 degrees out. And most of the guys in top drag said they didn't want to make the pass. They didn't think it was safe. But I seen the I pull up in the lanes. And I seen the pro mods. They're they're getting down the tracks. Well, if they can do it. I can do it. And we tuned it up just a little bit. Changed a uh, changed a blower pulley and the fuel system a little bit, and went uh, 85 with a nine. Picked up a hundred. And uh, kept on number one, left the tune at the same on Saturday morning's pass and went uh, 85 with a five. So this thing's like, a, you know, it's a bracket car. Easy, and, right? Uh, it's just easy. It, yeah, it's easy. <laughs> just, so we left the tune up the same, basically. And we got the, we got the first round by because of uh, the odd number of cars. And uh, so I went up there and we put an 84 on it. And I went 83 with a nine in first round and then second round i think uh the car we're running he actually broke on the burnout and i think we went 85 again or 85 with a five something down that line uh in uh semis the car we were i was actually holding a couple because i knew the car i was racing slow car i wasn't sure these so I, I put a couple in my back pocket i figured the car run about an 84 i put an 85 on there thing goes out there and runs 82 with a nine but he red lit so I'm getting, you know, things are just going my way. <laughs> That's the lucky round. That's right. <laughs> just, I need it. I need, I need it. So I'm going to the final and racing a, a, a Jerry Maples. He's got a 440 bracket car. And uh, I went ahead to the, the, the run predictor, said we we're going to run about an 82.5, 82.6. And I figured, you know what, I don't want to break out, so let's just dial on us and uh, put the 82 on there. And I uh, was double one on the tree and went 84 with a two, his 28 
uh, one above. So I was 22 total or 23 total. And uh, so he was mathematically ineligible because I went 001. So even besides the car being on the uh, being extremely consistent and very fast, my worst lie of the race day was 18. I, I love double, it. You just nut up well, in the final and go 001 double in the one. final. I love it. And you know what's scary is I I used the bump down lot and I almost hit the bump down. If I would have hit that bump down, I would have lost three grand. <laughs> no, you didn't, though. And uh, what a performance uh, going 001 in the final to win that race. I mean, that's just uh, nicely done. I mean, I had a stretch of runs between 82.9 and, and, and basically 86, you know, or 85.5 during the day. And things just just flat. The car just flat running and going right down the track. Had 950-something, 60 foots, which is insane. You know, and uh, and just 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 had a great day. Yep. Every you know, they say, you know, when it's your day, it's your day, and that was my day for sure. Yeah, and you'll have some more because you're you're going to chase this series a little bit, or are you going to do the NHRA Division Four? We're going to run all the rest of these races, including Memphis. We missed St. Louis because I had to work, and Steve had Junior had to work. We couldn't. It had been a twelve-hour drive, so we had to skip that one. But we're planning on going all the rest. We got XRP in ferris in texas in uh, uh july and then there's one in memphis and then another one in tulsa i think to finish out the season and then there's quick 16 race in, in in dallas in november but that's a non-points race that's just like an invitational type race but yeah we're gonna hit all those we still got the nhra stuff we're sitting in the top 10 right now in nhra points and we got tulsa coming back up in two weeks for the nhra race go back to quarter mile race so i got a Still working on my 610 tune-up. <laughs> Haven't figured out. You know, it, it, it just kind of sucks to go from be able to go as fast as I want to go. Now I got to slow the car down <laughs> because right. the car wants to run 590s. Exactly. Yeah, you're gonna have to tone that thing back a little bit. Well, exactly. um, Haven't figured out the tune-up yet. Like I said, Houston, we never made a full pull at NS. We had it. We were getting closer. We were running like 616, 617 at 228 but still dropping a little bit. We're just nervous about that 6.10. We go under the run, runs bounce. If I run, if I go under 6 flat, I'm bouncing the race. And my car runs 590s. So yeah, I got to, it's just a fine line. You got to, you got to, you know, you got to walk with that NHRA stuff nowadays with that 6.10. That's exactly right. Well, Steve, thanks so much for coming on the show. That was uh, um, fun having you. Appreciate you walking us through your program. And we wish you the best of luck for the rest of the season. We're going to keep like you on. I'd like to say something about Keith Haney's uh, Midwest. For anybody that's running top drags or top yeah. course, you guys got to come out and support this. Keith Haney's put a lot of faith in us to come out and run that race. You're running for 3000 bucks for $250 entry. And uh, if you win first round, you get your entry back. And you can't get a better deal. You know, NHRA cost me... A division which cost me two sixty to enter the thing, and I only can race. For, I'm there for four days, and it only won twelve hundred bucks. Here I'm there a day and a half, and I win three grand. It's people, please, please support this 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 series. Keith promotes us as part of the event. When I was at the Motorplex, just an example, I'm parked behind the stand, and there's people everywhere. Same thing at Tulsa, packed with fans, and I start my car up. And I got 20 to 30, 40 people standing around my car watching me warm up. I feel like a top fuel star. I feel like I'm somebody at these races. Did you whack Please. it? Did you I, whack it for him? Yeah, I whacked it twice. <laughs> <laughs> cool. 
And the people loved it. And the same thing at, 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 at Tulsa. The place is packed with people. People packed around the car. You, you, you make, he makes you feel like you're somebody. So guys out there, top dragster, top sports, support this deal. If you're in the Midwest, support this deal. It's a fantastic opportunity for you guys to go race something besides entry and, and make some money and, and, and be part of the show. So can't can't agree more. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think it, it is, and uh, much like the PDRA has kind of figured it out, I, I have no doubt that uh, Keith and Midwest Pro Mod Series will as well. Exactly. It's an awesome deal, man. It's an absolute awesome deal. So, Well, thanks for yeah. coming on. Uh, guys, girls, that was Steve McDermott Sr. Um, what an interview. Um, that gets us off the line for now. Hey, thanks, Steve. Thank you very much. Have a great day. This episode of the Half Track Report is presented by Big Smoky Burnouts. Big Smoky Burnouts have been putting smiles on the faces of racers and fans for over 60 years. And if you act now, we'll throw in a Big Smoky Burnout free. That's right. Buy one, get one free. Smiles and smoke for the low, low price of $19.99. What a deal. Just head to BigSmokyBurnouts.com and get yours today. That, of course, is not true. Um, today's half-track report is presented by DragRaceLawyer.com. Um, we just finished up Mother's Day, so there's uh, a little bit light um, series, but we do have some action to get you caught up on. As you know, um, the Division Three event in Columbus for the NHRA side, they didn't finish until Monday. Um, and that uh, the results for that were Zach Sackman over Brian Keller in the top dragster final. Sackman with a starting line advantage and uh, wins that one. So congrats to Zach. Um, on the top sportsman side in Columbus, Scott Wasco um, is over Jess Mel- Jeff Melnick in the final. And Scott's down to 660 to Jeff Melnick 654 in the final. It's a dead heat off the Starting line, 27 to 28, and Wasco goes dead on nine to Melnick's 002 under. So what a drag race um, that was in the final. And uh, Wasco wins. And as it turns out, uh, Zach Sackman and Scott Wasco both collect their third uh, Lucas Oil Drag Series Wally. So congrats to those guys um, on the NHRA side. Um the Midwest Pro Mod Series, as we heard from uh, Steve McDermott Sr. earlier, they race, they finish up on Saturday. Uh, Steve goes uh, number one at 3855 in his iconic orange dragster. He wins in the final over Jeremy Maples. Um, on the top sportsman side, Bob Galitti uh, wins over Marlon Goats. Um, Mick Schneider, friend of the show, was number one qualifier. Mick Snyder, a uh, friend of the show, was the number one qualifier at 391 with a two at 189 miles an hour. Um, and that win brings Bob back into the point series hunt. Um, you know, he's got to get past Earl Falls, but uh, that, that makes it a heck of a run uh, from here on out. Um, so now let's get to the NHRA points leader. So we've got a handful of people to to just make note of here in terms of where who's leading the series. So on the national event side in the NHRA, 
The top dragster point leader is Ross Laris. He had a strong start. Aaron Stanfield is neck and neck with him, though. He's keeping up. And then um, just somebody to keep an eye on, Anthony Bertozzi has only claimed two so far, so I don't know how the rest of his season is going to shake out, but he's always a threat. So um, Ross Laris and Aaron Stanfield, um, they've got to they've got to put somebody in the rearview mirror there and just make sure they stay out in front. But uh, from a national event side in top dragster, that's where they stand. Um, in divisional side, um, two events in, Alden Miller is leading the Division One point series for top dragster. Um, Division Two's got a few more events in. Uh, Michael Kalen has gotten five in, and he's leading Division Two. Um, in Division Three, we're just getting started here. Tom Elliott Sr. is the leader, uh, top dragster in Division Three, and then of course uh, Division Four, which is just absolutely nasty. Uh, Ross Laris, Aaron Stanfield, and Wayne Landry are all neck and neck in the Division Four point series. That way, uh, Division Five uh, less. Feist is three events in and leading that in Division Five, and then, and then uh, Division Six, familiar name Robert Teeley and then Mark Simmons are tied, but Mark has only claimed three events and Robert has claimed four, so we'll see how that shakes out. But uh, tied at this point in Division Six, um, and then Division Seven, Shane Molinari um, is leading out there. So that that is your uh, top dragster leaders. For the NHRA side, um, throughout the country, both on a national level and a division level, and uh, it, it's it's starting to get exciting. We're clearly at the midway point of the year, but uh, or getting close to the midway point of the year, but um, it's getting exciting in terms of the point series shaking down that way. When we go to the top sportsman side for NHRA on the national event, uh, Sandy Wilkins. Longtime competitor, number one, Bart Smith and Ed Olpin, very, very close that way. Um, Ed, as we know, competes on both sides of the equation, both top dragster and top sportsman, and doing it at a high, high level. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that shakes out on a national level. Um, Division one leader, top sportsman, is Ronald Reigel. Um, he's two events in in Division one, so they're getting rolling there. Division two. Um, has got four events under their belt, and and uh, Scott Underwood is leading there. We talked about Scott Wasco just um, recently here in Division Three. Um, he he wins there, so he's leading. Um, Division Four then has gotten three events in, and Cole Prejean. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly or not, but Cole is leading out in Division Four in his top sportsman car. Division Five is Allen. Firestone and Division Six, Gary Maserva. He's uh he's leading out there in Division Six. And then our guy Ed is leading in Division Seven. So Ed Olpin leads Division Seven in top sportsman. So that that is those are your leaders on the NHRA side in division uh in division one through seven and then on the national level. Um going now to the PDRA, um, they of course compete in a couple different uh, divisions. They've got top dragster and top sportsman elite, which is their top 16 cars, and then the next quick 32. So technically, they have not finished their second race yet. So we're on standby with them. They will finish that up in Maryland when they they go out there next, um, next month. So we'll give you a recap 
when they finish up the PDRA event, uh, the second Peter event at their third event. So hang tight with that. And then you've heard from both the leader um, in Top Dragster and Top Sportsman on this show in the Midwest Pro Mod Series, the Top Dragster leader, Steve McDermott Sr., who you just heard from. And then last week we heard from the leader, Earl False. Uh, both of those guys were tremendous, and um, we'll see if they can stay in the lead. Now next week, though, is a is kind of a big – uh, some big events coming up here, so we'll have some highlights and, and recap from this next week event. Uh, the national event for NHRA goes to Virginia. They can test top dragster there, um, so we'll see We'll see if uh, Ross Laris and Aaron Stanfield can stay in the lead or if there's another competitor making a run that way. Um, NHRA Division Three goes to Norwalk, always one of the fastest races on the series. Um, and then NHRA Division Seven competes in Fontana. So we're in the thick of it now. Um, people are starting to make runs. Um, certainly folks have made a lead, but but this this is the time when you can make a run and kind of get yourself in position to get in position. And next week, I think we'll we'll really have um, we'll have a better feel for it, certainly in Division Three and on our national level. <laughs> Okay, well, we're going to get out of the groove here a little bit now. Um, we're going to go to Super Street um, out in Sacramento at the Pacific National Open, and we got to talk about Rick Fleets. Uh, Rick wins Super Street at the National Open, and he's got a, a really, really pretty silver 70 Chevelle. And, you know, like wouldn't you expect a big, big block glide, uh, Rick puts it in, you know, wins Super Street. Wrong. Oh, Rick. Rick, Rick, Rick. Uh, Rick does something a little unusual. Um, Rick rolls his uh, 70 Chevelle across the scales at about 4,300 pounds because um, he doesn't like a big block. He doesn't like a small block. He likes a LB7, LB7 Duramax diesel. Uh, turbo diesel and you know um, just you know your everyday average uh, Duramax right in a 70 Chevelle um, so you know okay fair enough Rick you want to be um, a little bit different uh, good for you okay but but you're gonna run a power glide right nah no 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 Rick um, he says no nah, we're gonna go turbo turbo 400 and we're gonna do a three on the tree so Rick um Puts it on the tree with a Turbo 4 with the Duramax. Um, and so, okay, all right, no worries, Rick. Um, you know, do it your way, man. Um, you you probably got that thing on some type of, you know, uh, I don't know, put it in the trailer and haul it and because you're probably breaking parts. It. No, no. No, Rick goes nines with that dude, and he detunes the Turbo to go 1090 so he can run Super Street. Like, like I said, 4,500 pounds. Um, and then, you know, doesn't put it in the trailer. Rick goes to Reese, puts a hitch on that thing and pulls the camper to the track so he can hang out in between rounds. So if you can imagine, uh, Rick rolling down the street in his Chevelle, pulling a camper, pulling into the gates, unhooking the camper, um, then dialing up the turbo and then going to the line 
and then coming back and parking the car next to the camper, getting it done. He is doing it entirely backwards, and I love it. I couldn't love it more. Um, congrats to Rick Fleets for winning Super Street in uh, the Sacramento National Open. Um, give you a lot, a lot of credit. Um, that is super weird, but I love it. Okay, let's get to the mile per hour cone with Craig Sullivan. Craig is the Division Three top dragster finalist in the top five multiple times. He's been in the top five in Division Three Super Quick Series 13 times. He is the three-time John Kazi top dragster shootout champion. He also holds the NHRA FGT F Automatic world record in Superstock, in addition to be the driver of the barn burner. Welcome, Craig Sullivan. Thank you, Rex. Craig, Appreciate it. Great to have you on. Um, hey, a lot of people know you, um, certainly from your recent Pro Mod uh, driving success, but uh, let's take people back just a little bit. Um, tell everybody where you got started uh, in drag racing. Uh, my father run modified production for years when I was uh, a kid, and uh, I started with a uh, 1967 Ranchero 394-speed car, uh, bracket racing out at uh, Raceway Park. The, yeah, that was when people bracket raced four-speeds, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would have been 1982, 83, 84, somewhere in there. And you were at the Big Go, which is uh, my home track now. But, uh, yeah, it's it's pretty special growing up at the, the home of the U.S. Nationals. Is that right? Oh, it is. It is. And, uh, you know, we've got some professional parkers from Supergas that get there like a week before just so <laughs> they can be number one 10 years in a row. That is so true. If you drive by uh, the Lucas Oil right now, you can finally probably find someone parked uh, getting ready to stack. So, uh, good stuff, but uh, but it's a hor historic track, and um, what a, what a great place to get going in your drag racing career. Um, but uh, now you're you're doing a little bit something different. Um, and I looked it up; I could not find a record for this. But do you think you own the NHRA record for the tallest wheelie in a dragster? Uh, you know, other than fuel cars blowing over, I'm the, I'm going to say that I, I've done the tallest one that drove off the track and drove back to the pit area and put it back in the trailer. Um, that would have been at a, uh, PDRA race at Rockingham where, uh, two of my crew guys forgot the wheelie bar and, uh, the, uh, two hardtail dragsters we've run for so long, uh, they leave on the wheelie bar and, uh, you know, you can, some of the video you can see where we're trying to get the car down without hurting it and uh it it come down and it bent the a-arms a little bit but they weren't bent real bad if i'd have been 10 years younger we'd have probably bent them back and finished racing that weekend but uh we went home and uh then as far as the longest we were at uh, virginia for a pdra race and i literally had to stand on the brake pedal at 500 feet to uh, to get the front end down so it would take the stripe, and we still went like 394 at 179, and it literally 
was going to run the whole eighth mile up in the air, and it was controlled. It wasn't way up, but uh, it's uh, we've had a couple of real good cars that were fun to drive. You sissy. Why did you not take the the, the stripe with the rear wheels? Why why didn't you do that? It had been, been too slow. That was our last qualifying pass, and I wasn't in, so... <laughs> Well, yeah, you got to do what you got to do, right? Um, Well, uh, so listen, um, but now you've spent a little more time on the pro mod side. Is that right? Um, Yes. And so you've made a you've made a change in direction because your your top dragster was was what like you and you've uh, run a big cubic inch nitrous Ford. Is that right? Yeah, it's a 706 uh, Nitrous Ford that uh, BES put together that uh, we were running a a VED billet head and billet intake and uh, big stuff EFI on it with two kits. And what was uh, the fastest pass you made with that thing? The fastest eight-mile pass was 388, and uh, the fastest quarter-mile pass was 609. Yeah, too too quick. You'd get uh, kicked out now with that thing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you've changed a little bit now, and you and you've been running uh, more pro mod stuff. Let's let's talk a little bit about that car, the barn burner. How'd you come about that thing? Where'd you get the idea for the for the wrap? Well, my buddy Chip King, I kind of talked to him and told him I was looking for a, a pro mod. You know, I didn't really want to have to give arm and a leg for it. He thought that he really wanted a, a dragster that he could put a twin-turbo Hemi in for his wife to drive. And uh, we were down at Rockingham for a PDRA race, and uh, he called me, and he says, it's going to rain all day. He says, jump in your car and come over here and look at uh, what I got. So I went over, and he had three Daytona Pro Mods sitting there. And uh, we started trading around and talking, and I ended up with a 2006 Vanishing Point uh, Daytona that he'd had, and he ended up with uh, an American hardtail dragster. It's a beautiful day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, there was a lot of horse trading going on. <laughs> right, and so now so. you've you've got a pro mod, um, and so now you've got to paint this thing. Talk a little bit about the scheme that, that has become very, very popular with um, adults, kids. I mean, people that are playing video games. I mean, it, it's probably one of the real, most recognizable ProMod cars out there um, going today. How did you come up with that? Well, when I brought it home, it was Kawasaki green. Okay. So it was pretty ugly to look at. And uh, I looked... You know, I Googled a bunch of stuff, and you look at these cars in the stock car era, and they were pretty ugly as a one or a two-color scheme. And when you look at uh, something that's got five or six or ten colors on it, you know, the maintenance level of it, and it just, I didn't see it working. And it was all about trying to get more than one color on the car, and it and it fit. And uh, we started looking around at some stuff, and... and thought about well you know if this would have been a car that was put away next to the barn a long time ago and grown up in the weeds and uh again i'm on the internet and i find a 55 56 chevrolet that looks like it was drug out of the junkyard and 
I talked to the gentleman that wrapped it in Australia, and I talked to the owner, and we kind of looked at some things. So I, I put it out for bid to uh, three airbrush artists and, and three um, wrap companies. And uh, we've got, we got some renditions back, uh, and a lot of them really were going, you know, we, you know, when we start doing this, the, the, the artistic side comes out. So what you're seeing here and what you're going to see, and we had to, we had to kind of make some concessions there that I agreed. I was only seeing 50% of, uh, what we, what we had in the, the art and, uh, kryptonite customs in Tulsa, uh, I felt was going to give me the best bang for the buck on the artistic side. Um, and Chris Davis went to work on it. Um, one night he texted me about 11 o'clock and he's going, I want you to look at something. And if you like it, I'll keep doing it. And if not, I'm going to stop because it's too time consuming. And, uh, he text, texted me a picture of the back of the door in the front of the quarter where all the ivy's at. And some of it on there is clip art, but the ivy that's on the car, he hand-drew and hand-back shaded, and it's just three-dimensional. Wow. And, and it was all about how he drew it and everything else to go on this vinyl wrap. And, uh, you know, for, for the guys out there that are looking to wrap a car, you know, when you've got a pro mod, it's kind of like somebody on a street bike. There's two kinds of riders, ones that have been down and ones that are going down. So at some point in time, a pro mod's going to need some repair. Yes. And, uh, it just, it makes it easier. Um, you know, you, you take a look at what kryptonite done on it and, uh, you know, they're, they're extremely affordable when it comes to repair and this thing's four years old and still looks great. Agreed. So, um, then you've got the Richard Petty ode in there as well. So how'd that come about? Yes. It was one of those. You had to be able to identify it with something or it was just an old Daytona. And, uh, you know, when you look at those cars, most people think of Richard Petty. So we put the number 43 on it. And Chris told me it took 14 layers of transparency, 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 to get the 43 to look the way that it looks. Um, so when you look at the time that was invested in this, I mean, it took 48 hours of his printer just to print it. Wow. It run wow. for two days solid. Huh. Um, but, uh, and have you gotten, we, or go ahead. Sorry. Well, I mean, there were, there were several people. Well, did you get permission from Petty? Did you do any of this? And I kind of went back, when you look at a, a Meekum auction or something and somebody does a tribute car, nobody asked for permission. Well, when we started looking for sponsorship, we really got to looking at the legalities because we didn't want to get anybody in trouble. Mm -hmm. And uh, NASCAR owns all the numbers there. Well, and we're not NASCAR racing, so it really doesn't apply to us. Okay. Um, but we've been to Richard Petty Motorsports. We've been to Petty's Garage. Um, you know, when we introduced the car at PRI, we'd done a, a big photo shoot there, and, and we sent a bunch of photos down to Richard for him to autograph. Uh, it's been a, a, a real neat ride. We, we've been to a couple of functions that, 
that they've asked us to be at because Richard was at. And, you know, it, it's pretty cool to be able to run around with a legend. And then when you're able to go up to him or, or a kid comes up to you and go, I raced that car on my video game, and Richard kind of looks at you, and I go, here, show him, show him what you got. <laughs> and he takes his phone, and Richard's going, huh, that is the car on the video game. And, uh, you know, that's where the guys at Door Slammers really hit it out of the park. Um, you know, being able to, to be on a video game that there are so many people that participate in uh, and help that grow. And uh, Ron and his crew at Door Slammers have done an awesome job. Well, I agree. I think it must be really exciting for Richard Petty to get to run around with a legend. So good for him, I say. Um, that's, uh, you know, he gets to hang out with you now because you guys share the same car. So that's gotta be a lot of fun for him. Don't you think? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, most of the stuff we've been involved in is, is on a Saturday or a Sunday where it's his personal time. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's not something he was booked into and it's a corporate event. It's something that he does because he wants to do it. And, uh, you know, when, when the promoter calls you and says, hey, we didn't plan on you being here, but Mr. Petty says he wants you here, uh, you pretty much drop everything you're doing and just go. Yes, you do. That's very, very cool, man. Very, very cool. Craig Sullivan with us here. Um, hey, Craig, let's get into a little bit of the technical side of the car. Um, can you walk us through the motor train and chassis a little bit? I know you've done quite a bit of work to it. Yeah. Um, we started out with just a, a Brad Six deal. Uh, that we build in-house <clears throat> with a uh, Darren Mayer blower, uh, DM- DMPE's blower, and we joined up with Fuel Tech and had EFI on it. We were one of the first four or five cars to put EFI on a blown Hemi. And, uh, you know, we're working with an older car that's a little heavier, and as we got better with the EFI and power management, the uh, it really showed that we were 200 pounds overweight and we weren't competitive. Uh, so this year we put the screw on it and we're able to make weight. Uh, we can actually be underweight if need be. And we left the fuel tech on it. So we're doing all of our ignition functions and power management through fuel tech, but we've got uh, all mechanical injection on it that we've kind of joined together. And it was just a, a budgetary situation. Uh, by the time we got the rest of the injector products and the parts that we needed to do to build the R&D, uh, we just decided this was a better fit so we could afford to race all year. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. you've, and you've uh, I mean, you figured it out. What's uh, what's the latest ET range you're, you're playing in now? Um, we've been 379 uh, when we were at Memphis here two weeks ago. We were the only bone car to go 200. Uh, we went 200 the week before at um, St. Louis. Uh, you know, we're we're amidst a, a bunch of professionals. I mean, when you've been a bracket racer all your life and never run any heads up stuff, there's some advantages to that and some disadvantages. And, we're missing a, a, a lot of experience there. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we were able to do is, is tap into some drag radio buddies. And, and you know, we run a, a turbo 400 uh, two-speed with the screw car and a three-speed with the roots car. And uh, 
that was all based on what our RVW buddies were telling us. Well, then, you know, we weren't very smart because we had EFI on a blower, and nobody done that, and nobody run a Turbo 400 at that point in time. And now, four years later, that's not the, the exception. It's pretty much the rule. You've got way more guys on EFI now, and about everybody is in a Turbo 400 uh, for the majority of it. And uh, so, you know, with we might have the turbo with the three-speed? The turbo with the three-speed, not, not two-speed, right? The three-speed we run behind the roots motor, yep. and the two-speed we run behind the screw motor. Gotcha. Yeah, that's uh, and and you've kind of got it figured out, and I know you've got a you've got more in it, um, but uh, you keep saying we, um, who who's all helping you? Who's on your crew right now? Uh, Nick Backless is my full time crew guy. That he's he's there every morning and works eight hours a day and goes home, uh, and then uh, uh, Andy Smith that owns Pro Tree Race Cars. He goes to almost every race with us and. His responsibility is the suspension and the wheelie bar. Uh, you know, Nick's been a great asset to our engine program. Uh, we were tearing a lot of stuff up prior to him being on board. And uh, we got two new Brad Anderson Hemis from Darren Mayer that are, are, are built at his facility. And we've not had one engine failure. And we we got to attribute that to engines or to uh, Nick's engine building prowess and uh, extreme oil which is a larry jeffers product um, that has just been phenomenal i mean when you go to a race and you got a pro mod that you don't knock the pan off of it for 12 laps and you change the oil because you feel bad <laughs> you've got a pretty good product at that point in time it sounds like it um but there is one person that you didn't uh, mention and she will kill you if you don't mention her you better talk about your better half uh, Lori Sullivan is, uh, she's pretty much the queen <laughs> of the track. She, uh, she keeps us fed. She keeps us in line. Um, she keeps a positive outlook on most things for us. Um, you know, she, she's, uh, you know, it took me three times to get it right, but she's, she's a good wife. She's, she's there to stick up for us. She's there to fight with anybody that wants to fight. Uh, <laughs> and she's a good bartender. So, but, uh, 10 out of 10, she, I'd say. She adds, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, uh, she really adds to it because, uh, you know, one of the, our first year racing, we cleaned the coach out like we always do to go put it away. And she goes, Craig, she goes, uh, this is the same handle of crown that we put in here in February. And I go, yeah, so. And she goes, when you were top dragster racing and super stock racing, this got replaced every weekend. I go, well, when you're, when you're pro mod racing, you're tired. You work till you're tired and you go to bed. I said, there's no going out and partying and having a good time and throwing darts or playing pool. When you get done, you eat and you go to bed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and she really didn't get that because we were always having some pretty big parties and, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of gone away. <clears throat> well, um, if anybody will figure that out, it'll be her, and uh, I'm sure she'll get you you squared away here soon. Um, 
but uh, you know, best of luck in your pro mod uh, endeavors. What's the what are you going to do? You going to chase that? Uh, what series are you going to chase? And then what's next for uh, the top dragster as well? Uh, well, the top dragster sold yesterday. What? Um, yeah, within a, within about forty minutes, there were you know probably eighty comments and two hundred and fifty hits on it, uh, and it was pretty comical as it went down the line. But uh, the top dragster is gone. Um, I sold it rolling. So we might be looking to team up with somebody on an LDR car and, and run the 706 in it. Um, the uh, We will, starting at Ducks Fall Race, I'll have a new uh, RVW car that I'll be driving for Mark Woodruff. And uh, that's probably going to turn into a full-time situation there. Uh, but uh, we will continue to support the NMCA and run their Outlaw Pro Mod deal, uh, run some local events. Uh, the uh, I think this weekend we're going to run down to Wagler and, and run that OSCA event and then run their Bowling Green event here in two weeks. Uh, once... If we were keeping the dragster, we planned on trying to get into some of the PDRA races at the end of the year. With that being gone, our Pro Mod doesn't fit into their rules packages very well. So uh, the Midwest Pro Mod Association, we're going to try to grab some of those as well. Uh, just driving to Texas don't don't really uh, enthuse us a whole lot. So we'll wait till they've got some more coming back our way and be involved there. I like it. Um, Craig, best of luck to you the rest of the season. Thanks for coming on and uh, giving us a little glimpse into your program. Hey, Craig, um, I know you've got some help behind your program. Um, who, Who is really helping you with this deal? Um, I got to tell you, Larry Jeffers Race Cars has really stepped up with a car that, that he did not build. Uh, Andy Smith at Pro Tree Race Cars has has piled in a lot of labor and a lot of time and expertise. <clears throat> DMPE, Darren Mayer, um, has got us on his engine program um, and has done great with us. M&M transmissions and converters um, have, have been there the whole time throughout all this, making it very easy transition for us so we don't have to work on a clutch or we don't have to try to keep a Linco running or, or that kind of thing. Uh, Mickey Thompson's been a great supporter. The brake man, um, TBM brakes are phenomenal. Um, we run a carbon kit, um, Williams Combination Strange on this car and the TBM product. They've stepped us, and uh, you can stop this thing like a bracket car. Um, <clears throat> we get uh, quite a bit of help from uh, Carmack Engineering on our rear end product as well as Moser Engineering. Uh, PST drive shafts, uh, Santa uh, racing shocks and struts. Um, you know, there's there's a whole host of, of help there. Uh, the guys at Fuel Tech have went above and beyond to make sure that we're competitive with what we're doing, and uh, it, it's just been a, a a great situation. No different than our top dragster deal. We had a lot of great supporters there as manufacturers and. Uh, you know, you get them some ink, and, and we've been fortunate of that to, to have a lot of publications done. So, But uh, it's been a great ride with great manufacturers. Yeah, it sounds like it. I mean, 
And given all that help, I mean, it's showing in your ETs. So congrats to you and um, all those folks who stepped up. Okay, that was the great Craig Sullivan, and uh, he takes us to the stripe. So we got the stripe, we got the wind light, and that is episode four. Guys, girls, it's been four weeks. The show keeps getting better and better. Um, If you didn't like it, tell me. Um, But if you did like it, if you enjoyed this, then tell somebody else. Uh, Subscribe um, on, on wherever you listen to your podcast. Follow us on Twitter, at Fast Brackets. Like the Facebook page, The Fast Brackets Podcast, or send me an email, fastbrackets at outlook.com. Hey, it's getting better and better. I told you three weeks you'd be hooked. That is exactly what's happened so far. Um, But that's it. That's episode four. We've made a full pass. I've hoped you enjoyed it. Keep the rubber side down and travel safe. This episode of the Fast Brackets podcast is presented by DragRaceLawyer.com. DragRaceLawyer.com, legal help on and off the track. Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com is a longtime drag racer with over 25 years of experience in small business to large corporate legal work. For all your high-powered legal needs, get DragRaceLawyer.com. So, uh, what'd you think? Man, that was great. Uh, the show is getting better, and it, it's all because of the the interviewees. Uh, Steve and Craig were both great, and um, really happy that they came on. Yeah, it was really interesting. Uh, here at the studio where we're putting the show together, somebody that works here just happened to like come in the studio to get some papers and was so interested uh, that she literally just sat and listened to one of your inter- interviews while you were recording it. There, there is... N- I mean, that's one thing about drag racing is there are some interesting stories and interesting characters. And, uh, man, it is fun. It is a lot of fun.